Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, all right, all right. Before we get started today, we just wanted to say welcome to the club. Footwork.club is now live, the official footwork website where you can find all the footwork content, including some new features. That's right. Along with our podcasts and guests, you can find exclusive written articles, including blogs about our own stories, free products that can help with chasing the dream, as well as our first official merch. All that and more. So join the club. So today we welcome a special guest to the pod. We have Jojo Richardson joining us from Greasefold. Is that how you say it? Greasefold? Greifswald. Greifswald, of course. Yeah, the I before the E. Um, so thanks for joining the club today. Thanks for uh, coming on Footwork Podcast. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Jojo, we uh, our, our motto here at Footwork is make your own path. Um, basically, doing making your own uh, your path and not staying to the norms of uh, normal society. Now, what does make your own path mean to you? Oh, that's a Kind of a deep question to start it off, but that's how um, we get them. Make, make my own path and just kind of, I don't know. I think going with whatever you think is best for yourself and not looking at the others around you and kind of following the herd, um, mm. breaking outside of what normal people would call what you're supposed to do, go to college at this age, graduate this age, get to a job, get promoted here, have kids near this age. And so kind of, following what your passion is and breaking from the mold is how I consider creating your own path. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you mentioned there too, I think it's a good place to start off is this idea in the U S is like, it's very linear in terms of you go to high school and then everyone goes to college. Now for you, I mean, it's a completely different path in terms of breaking from that and going to Germany. So, I mean, what was that, pressure like for you to go to college and then how did you kind of look past that to to first take you know an opportunity in Germany yeah so I it was a little bit easier for me I would say than it would have been in normal situations because of COVID mm-hmm. because I actually my, my first year I have one year of university done because I did it all online okay my first year so I was in Spain doing a little bit of school California doing it Virginia and Washington all from a New York school, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, that's my situation. It was a little bit easier breaking away because I was in a situation where I could take online school and then look at my opportunities from there. Mm-hmm. And are you still doing online schooling or not right now? Not right now. My university didn't let me for this year. So mm-hmm. I technically took a year away mm-hmm. and I have a decision at the end of this year, if I want to go back to university or stay here in Germany. Gotcha. Yeah. And now, um, I mean, you said you were taking these college courses uh, kind of all around the world. What made you travel during this time? Uh, yeah. So during COVID, like everybody, there was nowhere to train for me in Washington, really, at the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everybody was locked down, which, of course, made sense. Nobody was sure what was happening in the world. And we had to stay indoors and keep everybody safe. And then as things started to open up a little bit, one of my friends was in California uh, doing uh, weekly trainings with some USL championship players and some college players who needed training. And they were getting together with an old UCLA coach and getting 11 v 11s every week in small-sided games. 
So that's kind of, I wanted somewhere to play and my sister lived in LA. So I had somewhere to stay. So it just seemed like the right step for me to go and continue playing soccer. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, but even in so like breaking from the mold, like we said, there is a risk involved in, in traveling one. And then, I mean, you were taking schooling, but now you're not. So there is a little risk involved in these kinds of decisions. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit about how you were able to one, get to Germany and two, kind of, when were you starting to think, okay, I can, I can take this journey to try and be a professional soccer player. Yeah, of course. So like I said, I was in California and there was this uh, kind of a scout in California who was putting together a training camp in Mallorca, Spain for mm-hmm. Americans to get training in with some old Bundesliga players and coaches to get exposure to uh, the German market. And he invited me and a couple of their players from the California training thing we were doing over to Mallorca. And we went for about two months over there. And then from there, one of the goalie coaches there, his name's Holger Gerke. He played for Schalke and Hertha Berlin and a ton of other Bundesliga teams, coached Schalke later on in the Champions League and whatnot. So then he kind of put it in my brain that Europe could be an opportunity because he saw the potential and started talking to me about potential trials when COVID would uh, calm down a little bit. Mm. And then eventually you, you did go on trial in Germany. Um, first off, how old were you at this time? And second off, what was your maybe expectations going into the trial and how was, uh, or how were the, the trials? Yeah. So I was 19 at the time. I actually traveled to Spain on my 19th birthday and kind of started that whole journey. Um, but from there I was 19 and I went to a couple different clubs to start. I went to Carl Zeiss Siena for a week. I was at Dusseldorf's second team for a week and then COVID kind of shut things down again. So I was at Dusseldorf for a week with no issues with COVID. And then I went to Carl's Iciana and was there for one week. And after that week, more restrictions were put onto the Regional Liga Nordost. So they weren't allowed to train for a month after that. So that was, that was a little sad in the moment because they invited me back for next week because they liked mm-hmm. what they had saw, what they saw on me. And then I got the news that they weren't able to train for an entire month. So that, that put a blow on things. Uh, so then I had to go back to America, kept training there. And I thought Germany at that point was not going to happen just because the trials weren't there anymore, COVID. So I kind of put it out of my mind. Damn. So, I mean, how did you react to that? It's something that's a little, obviously not a little bit, it's completely out of your hands, something like COVID that can come through and kind of wipe away an opportunity. So how did you react to that mentally, just kind of that step back from from this great opportunity that seemed like was within reach? Yeah, that was definitely a tough one for me to handle. I remember the first kind of week or two I went back home. Uh, Definitely a lot of days where, like you said, it was just out of my hands. It wasn't anything I did wrong. Mm -hmm. So a lot of just kind of anger and resentment towards the whole thing. Then I had to realize there's a lot worse things going on in the world with COVID than me not being able to train with a team for another week so my dad kind of put that into my view that Mm -hmm. there's a lot worse things that could be happening 
Um, and then I kind of picked myself back up after that and started looking for opportunities in America. And I went over to Virginia and trained with a USL team for a couple of months in the summer. Okay. And, and how did that come about? So one of my old uh, academy coaches at Sounders, he is a coach at the Richmond Kickers over a USL one team. Mm-hmm. And I just told him I needed somewhere to train just to keep working in case Europe opened back up for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I knew at that point still, I wanted to go back to Germany. I knew it was within my reach after performing well at the trials and just some things not going my way, but I still knew I wanted to go there and it was possible. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to him and he said, of course, I'll let you come and train for a couple of months just to keep getting ready. And so that's how I was able to continue working. Love that. I think it's a great thing, especially for, for young players to know is that you should always be ready, always be training, always be ready because you never know when that next opportunity will come. Now, as you were bouncing around kind of, you know, training here, trying for opportunities here and here, was there any thought in your mind to okay, like, let me just do the normal college route, not online, but let me go to a university, play there maybe and see what comes of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, when I first got, I, for my contract here, there was no trial. It was just a blind offer. Mm-hmm. And so when I first got the offer, I saw it was Oberliga, fifth division Germany, and I wasn't too excited about it. And the other opportunities didn't seem like they were coming along. So when that first came in, I actually thought I was just going to take the normal college route, go back to university the next year. And I wasn't a highly sought after prospect coming out of high school. I was very small when I was younger. I started going into my body later. So I was actually the D3 school, NYU. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go to NYU for either one year, try to transfer. And if that doesn't work out, just continue with a normal job then probably. But after a couple of conversations with family and just looking into what I really wanted to do, I decided to take the opportunity to come here. And how did that offer come about? It was a blind, a blind offer after, after all this time. So who, um, who helped you with this? And then how did you ultimately, or when did you ultimately come to the decision that it, it was something you were going to pursue? Yeah. So it was the same guy, Holga Garrick from Mallorca. He was mm-hmm. still looking for me just trying to find anything that would work. And he knew trials would be difficult because of COVID and coming in. And that's really the only way it would work. Cause it was still when you couldn't get into Germany unless you had a solid reason. Mm-hmm, yeah. And he had, he had actually sent a player on a trial for U19 Bundesliga club. And he got turned away once he wasn't at the German airport. Oh shit. Yeah. He had the paper signed by the wow. club and everything. And they said, no, you can't come. You have to go away. So he didn't want to send me on any trials anymore. So he was looking for any blind offer. Mm. And the coach here or technical director at the time and now is coach as well, uh, Roland Cross, he called around and actually talked with the Yenna coach about me in the trial. Mm. And he said, yeah, if you're able to take this player, you should. He showed a lot of promise. We just weren't able to keep him in for a trial longer. But if you need a center mid, you should sign him. Mm. nice so you made made that nice impression yeah so in a roundabout way it ended up working out from that trial that got canceled right that's that's a good point you make there too because you never know who or who sees you or who knows who um in this case you're the technical director or the coach now 
Um, obviously he knows a bit about German football as his son is Tony Cruz. Um, so I'm sure he's very well connected. And, and even though you performed uh, somewhere in Nordos, uh, he, he knew the coach or knew someone at the club and they were able to make that connection. Um, and what was, what was your mindset going into signing with uh, the club? I mean, you played, you went on trial uh, in the regional league in Nordos, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you're a level down now. Um, were you expecting it to be a big drop in level? I was expecting a drop in level, honestly, um, just because you hear fifth division, you don't think it's going to be anything great. And you, I had the trials in the Nordost and thought I was at that level at the time. So it was a little, an ego check for me to sign with a lower division mm-hmm. at the time and just telling people you're signing for a fifth division. But I'm happily surprised with the level in this league. Honestly, it's, there's no easy games in our league. Even if you play a team that's at the bottom, they're just going to keep it compact, mm-hmm. hit you, and make it difficult to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, Americans don't realize is that even in some of the quote-unquote lower leagues, these guys have played at very high levels before. Maybe they're just a little bit older. Maybe they're you know working part-time. But the knowledge of the game to know how to win games, and like you said, they're just going to – sometimes they'll play in a low block and you just have to figure out how to how to beat them and stuff like this. I guess the tactical view of it is just is a little bit stronger. So what were some of the things that you really learned quickly from coming to Germany and kind of, you know, adapting with the team and your teammates? Um, Things I learned quickly. Well, there's one player on our team, like you said, played at a higher level before. He has the record for most third division games. Is he the center Uh, midfielder? Yeah, Robert. The deeper one, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been able to learn a lot from him just about, I would say, taking care of your body specifically off the Mm -hmm. field. He's been a good role model for that. Going to the gym almost daily, stretching out in your time, rolling out, and just kind of that side of being a professional footballer Mm -hmm. where it's not just when you're young, you go to the field, you train, you might do a training by yourself, and then that's kind of it for the day. Mm -hmm. It really is a full-time job of recovery and getting your mind right before games. And that's what I would say I've learned the most from being here so far. Very nice. How did your friends and family react when you, you know, said you were going to, to Germany? Everybody was very supportive. I was a little bit nervous, honestly, because education has been very important for everyone in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I, I was young, that's always been impressed upon us, the importance of education and what you can do with that. But I think everyone in my family kind of knew since I was younger. Obviously, everyone when you're younger and you're playing football, you want to be professional and they don't, they don't take you too seriously. Of course. But then, and I think when they saw the work I was putting in during quarantine and COVID, flying around to all these different places, I think that really impressed upon them that I should go after and chase it. If I'm willing to put in that much work, then mm-hmm. I should chase my dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now because they, they signed you directly, um, there is kind of an expectation uh, put on you to perform immediately. Now, what were the differences in playing style? Uh, I mean, training tactically, the language uh, is a big thing, and also just learning on the fly and performing at the same time. It was definitely, uh, there was a lot of expectations coming into it. Obviously, it's for some of the players, they think it's, usual why would you sign an american to an oberliga team there's enough germans in the country to Mm -hmm. fill a fifth division team why are we signing some random kid who doesn't speak our language 
So kind of proving yourself to your teammates at this big one for me, because why wouldn't they just take someone that they could speak to all the time? So that was um, a big one. And then learning on I of, I don't know, kind of in games, the physicality difference, that would probably be the quickest learning curve of the expectations of the other teams kind of knew you were an American mm. in this division and they wanted to hit you a little bit harder. It feels like at times <laughs> yeah, you have a little bit of a, a target on your back going into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally understand that. What about some of the challenges of being away from home? I mean, you came when you were 19, I think you're 20 now, correct? So you've spent a, a birthday here. So what about that? Just kind of, you know, spending time away from friends and family, especially when it's tough for them to travel for you to travel back and forth with COVID and everything going on. What was this, you know, kind of like for you? Yeah. At first it wasn't that much of a challenge. I actually have a sister who lives near Munich. Oh, She's nice. in the army here. So I, so I've been able to see her a handful of times, if not more coming to games and whatnot. So that's been a big help, but mm-hmm. I would say the hardest probably time was during the Christmas break when I went back home, coming back then to Germany after that, it was just dark all the time, mm-hmm. raining, snowing, just came home from family. Just, that was probably the hardest time for me of why am I here? I want to go back home and be with family again. So that was the most homesick I've been in my entire life, definitely. Mm-hmm. And how did you deal with that kind of space of uh, what am you know, am I here for the right reasons? How did you kind of overcome that? Just kind of as the games started approaching, uh, it obviously makes it better because I'm doing what I love then. Mm-hmm. Especially because at the start, too, the COVID numbers were higher than they were when I left. And they, it was still up in the air whether our league would be canceled like, for oh, games. Shit, here we go again. Yeah, so I said I flew back here. I'm going to get canceled. Our first week, I think four players had COVID, so we had to do sessions with four players and all separated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was just, why am I here? I want to go back home. But then as people got over COVID and as the game started coming closer, that just, it made things easier. Mm-hmm. And how has your approach to games uh, and training changed since you've been here? I know you mentioned uh, the one player on your team that has a lot of experience as a professional, um, but what else have you learned yourself? Um, definitely the getting to training early is big for me. I like to be there. I would like to be there 45 minutes early to training, just getting in, get stretching a little bit, talking with people, getting dressed, relaxing. And so you're not just strapping on your boots, running out to the field right as training starts. For me, I like to get kind of an empty head, be fully immersed in, okay, I'm at training now. It's time to train. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably the biggest difference for me. Cause when I was, younger or when I was driving myself to training, I would show up 10 minutes before, throw some stuff on, do a couple of passes, maybe hit a shot or two and then start training. And so just kind of getting into that headspace before trainings is very important for me. I've realized that I can tell in my training level if I've been there on time or if I showed up only 20 minutes before training, for example. Yeah. I think it's a very huge thing. I mean, I remember in being in college and doing the same things. Young guys, you don't feel it as much on your on your body, at least if you're not putting that work in. But the investment 
for the prolonging of your career is, I think, invaluable. Are you, have you made any other investments, whether it's, you know, kind of off the field and diets and nutrition um, and improving your mental game and things like this? Is there any other investments you've made into your, into your career? Um, I mean, yeah, I've started being more into my diets and everything of that sorts, getting into getting my multivitamins in, my omegas. I started taking creatine, just kind of trying different things out and seeing how it feels for my body Mm -hmm. and just playing around with dosages of things and how that makes me feel on certain days, changing up what I do on game days compared to the start of the week. And then the two days leading up to it, I change stuff here and there, just kind of messing with things a little bit. What is your game day routine? Game day routine usually is I'll wake up and then I like to go on a quick walk around the city, just open up the legs a little bit after sleeping all night, come back in, do a little stretching, maybe use my massage gun for a little bit, talk with the roommates, play some music, just relax. And then I always drink my mate. I'm a big mate Oh, he's a mate guy. Okay. Yeah. Drink my mate in the morning, get a little bit of it, clean it out, and then pack another one for the game and then head on over to the field. So you come in with the mug and everything. You're, you're straight looking like Messi and Suarez and Griezmann. Yep. <laughs> nice. Love that. Hey, I love it. Um, and also, I mean, we, we kind of touched on it with the language, but um, culture changes. It's, it's, you're not in America anymore. I mean, it is similar here, but there are many differences, including the language. Um, first off, have you made an effort um, to learn the language? And then how is just the culture um, outside of football, Ben? Yeah, I'm definitely putting in some effort to learn the language. Uh, I do some online work almost every day. I try to read some, not children's books, but learning how to speak mm-hmm. German books. And then also the club pays for a tutor for me and the other two American players for two days a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we go to the cafe and it's about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the day, two times a week. So that's been huge for us because our coach doesn't speak any English. And so uh, that's we need we needed to learn quickly. Mm-hmm. So the club understood that and they helped us out a lot, which was huge. So when your coach doesn't speak English, I think, you know, this is something for a lot of Americans, maybe who who don't realize that 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 is a very often the case, especially in countries maybe that don't speak as well in English, you know, outside of, I would think, Northern, Northern Europe. So what was that like to kind of still understand what is going on, whether it's in the drills or what you have to do tactically in your position to perform and make sure that you still get your spot? Yeah, it was when I first came here, it was definitely scary, I would say. Yeah. Just especially if you're the first one in the line and you can't sneak to the back and he's trying to explain a passing Joe, for example, <laughs> there's always just, you kind of are looking at his hands, hoping he points to exactly where you have to play to. Mm-hmm. So that was, and I, I have been lucky. There are a lot of English speaking players on the team. There's one, his name is Julian Rue. He's our center back. He's 21. Mm-hmm. He is, I would say fluent in English. So that was huge when I first came here because if ever I didn't understand anything that I needed to know before mm-hmm. a game, for example, he would take me aside afterwards and just reiterate what was needed of me specifically in the game for the tactics of my position. Yeah. 
No, that makes sense. I'd like to talk a little bit more because I think we we grouped it into language and culture. But is there any other things? I mean, maybe we're putting you on the spot here, but any other cultural things? I think um, one that people say a lot is that um, the Germans stare a little bit more. It's a little bit more socially acceptable to stare and it's not really seen as an offensive thing here. People, especially older generations, just do it. Um, Is there anything else that you kind of picked on or I know you have. Um, some other Americans on your team, anything that you guys talk about that's like, oh, this is so different? Uh, yeah, so it was funny. My first kind of month being here, I would still do that whenever I walk past someone, throw them a wave or a smile. Say, <laughs> of course. <"Hello."> yeah. <laughs> and then they'll just look at me like I'm crazy. That's there. Like, yeah, this death there. Why is he talking to me? I don't know him. That was probably for me the biggest one. Just why, why are they staring at me? I'm just trying to be polite. But I realized it's just kind of their culture. And once you get to know them, they're actually some of the nicest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the outside, you'd think they're just rude and don't want anything to do with you. So yeah. that was the biggest shock for me. And then also I'm a big fan of spicy food. I love my Cholula hot sauce. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And being in I'm a small town and nowhere, we're not anywhere near a big town, really. There's no way to get to that. Mm-hmm. So just kind of the food differences and learning how to go shopping in an Etika or a Netto compared to whatever you're used to back home. That was the biggest mm-hmm. shock for me. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Have you have you found the hot sauce? Because there's actually a uh, a Reva here that just introduced this American aisle and there's the yes. hot sauce is right at the top. I saw that on your story. I showed my roommate <laughs> and we were both jealous, but <laughs> it's nice with my sister. When I do see her, she comes and she'll bring me because she... Uh, on the American base, there's an American grocery store. Mm. Okay, wow. So she'll come through with the Cholula, some avocado salsa. Oh, care package. Yeah, she brings me a care package, everything I need to survive. Nice. It's funny that hot sauce is the one because I bet you put that that shit on everything, right? Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, another thing is, is just when we have these traveling experiences, I think some people don't realize how valuable these experiences are just from meeting people, from learning how to connect, learning how to adapt in a, in a different environment that speaks a different language that has different norms and cultures and food. I mean, does it ever occur to you like one, how crazy it is kind of what you're doing, but also how cool and how valuable the experience will be for you going forward? Yeah, it's, I realize how crazy it is sometimes when I FaceTime friends back home and they're at mm-hmm. college Mm-hmm. And in America, it's seen as growing up when you go off to university. Mm-hmm. And I realized the difference in growing up since I've been here compared to my friends just living in a dorm and going to a dining hall, or even when they move into their first apartment, they're still not children, but you think you grow up a lot faster in America than you actually do. Whereas coming here with a new language, you have to learn, make new connections with people, just being all by yourself, cooking your food the, every day. Mm-hmm. that's it's a very cool experience of how fast you get to grow up mm-hmm. and the like you said it's just it's invaluable being able to learn a new language form connections with people that you just met it's something that people will kind of have when they go abroad for a semester of school but nowhere near the degree that we are getting yeah, yeah. i mean college we, we both went four years of college, so we, we do know it. You definitely learn and grow, but uh, when you're abroad and alone in particular, 
uh, it's exponentially quicker, uh, exponentially faster, especially in, Dylan and I talk about it all the time is being alone. Um, there's many benefits to this. Sometimes there could be some dark places like your one time when you were training in small groups of four, you're alone. This is what am I doing here? But I think on the other side of that, um, there's a lot of positive things. Have you found that yourself? I definitely agree that there are a lot of positives of being by yourself. When I was younger, I used to hate it. I wanted to always be around friends and stimulus all the time, but I've really found a solace kind of being alone at times. Mm. Uh, just you're able to think about kind of your life. You're able to just be alone with your thoughts and kind of understand what you're going through yourself and then just make decisions from there. And I've really enjoyed going to just a coffee shop by myself, for example, bringing a book, reading it, staying there for maybe two hours, three hours of the day and just relaxing, which is something before if I was in America, I would never go like, eat lunch by myself. I would hate that. I would feel so weird. <laughs> I don't think anyone in college is going to have a coffee or eat by themselves. You know, it's like, be like, what is this kid yeah. doing? Yeah, why does this kid have no friends? What's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, just kind of piggybacking off of the, the question with Sean, I mean, we can tie that into games too. So, I mean, a lot of the times the games don't go the way you planned, even trainings don't go the way you planned, whether there's a bad play that you keep reflecting over in your head or just a performance that you just didn't think was good enough. How do you react and how do you kind of come back stronger from, say, you're not your best performances and, and just knowing that it's part of the process? Um, yeah, that one, that's definitely tough for me. Mm -hmm. I'm very... I reflect a little, a little too much probably after games, especially bad ones. I don't scrap it fast enough. I'm very good at scrapping the good ones and saying, okay, it's just one game. You're not the best in the world. You have to go do it every week. But the poor ones, those are tough for me. I usually stay up the entire night watching the film at least one hmm. time. If it hmm. comes out beforehand and getting to bed around two or three, just thinking about it. But there's, I do have a good support system in my family. I'll call my mom, my dad my aunt and one of my uncles after almost every game and talk mm. with them mm. and they actually will wake up at if the game's 4 a.m in america or 5 a.m for them on the west coast they wake up almost every time and watch the game if it's streamed mm. so i have immediate feedback from them and just knowing that they're there with me helps me get through it faster yeah it's an interesting aspect we had a sports psychologist on very recently who kind of talked about it's very easy for players to reflect more on the bad moments. And I mean, I've, I'm guilty of it too. It's very easy to, to think about the things you did wrong in a game instead of the things you did right. And I think there's very good things from your, how you explained that, you know, when you have a good performance, like you're modest and you think, okay, that's it. Like now back to work. I think that's a very good thing to have, but I think, the balance of it, of knowing how to incorporate that and then also learning from the mistakes, but not letting them take over you as a player because only seeing your failures can only have a, you know, a negative impact on you. So is there a place that you want to come to in terms of how you reflect after a game, whether it's watching it, whether it's trying to take time away, like what is the utopia for you for how you approach a bad game? Yeah, I would like to take a little bit more time. I would like to maybe wait a solid 24 hours before watching film, if not mm -hmm. a little bit more, mm -hmm. just so that I can let it fully digest. And kind of hopefully for me, I want to get to a spot where I can watch an episode on Netflix of some TV show or watch a little bit of a movie and then fall asleep at a decent time. 
wake up, kind of go walk around, flush the game out, and then look back at the film and examine the mistakes from there instead of just worrying about it and then getting bad sleep and not being prepared for the week of training. You're on mute, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Talking, uh, good, good reactions there. Talking about games, you played um, in DP Pokal against a first Bundesliga team, Augsburg, uh, which is some, I mean, Dylan was fortunate enough to do this against Leverkusen. I've yet to, uh, to play a team of that uh, stature. How was that? That was the best experience of my life, I would say. Um, just mm-hmm. the, the amount of fans, because we don't have a huge stadium, obviously, with our team, but we really filled it. I think we had a little over 4,000, close to five, maybe, fans for that match, and that's obviously the most I've ever played in front of. And just being able to walk out on the field with all that energy kind of mm-hmm. around me, it's I thought I had experienced that when I was in high school and won a state championship of my high school team. thought that was the coolest moment I've ever had in soccer, really, up to that point. And then playing in this was just different level. Players that are worth millions of dollars that just got bought. For example, like Nicholas Dorsch, who mm-hmm. was the six I was playing against. Mm-hmm. He was bought, I forget for how much, but very important player for them. Bought in the summer from, and he played for Bayern Munich's Academy had a couple of games with them. So it was a surreal experience for sure. What did you notice from, you know, these types of players in terms of how they played, how they moved, how the team moved as a, as a, as a unit, what did you kind of take from that? I was actually surprised that I feel like in some games now I had more time on the ball against the Bundesliga club than I do in this league. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they sort of have a respect for players on the ball because they know if they make one wrong step, you can beat them and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because they're used to playing against top level talents in the Bundesliga. So they know if they make one wrong step, Leroy Sané, Thomas Muller are going to go past them and score a goal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they almost, I've realized that to the game, it's not always high pressure all the time. You kind of have to wait and pick your moments. So mm-hmm. that was cool. Kind of seeing their level of thinking is much higher than mm the players are used to playing too, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great point. From playing in that kind of game, playing against that stature of players, did that give you an, I mean, it happened quite early in your, in your career here in Germany, but did that give you this, this belief that, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make it to this, this level one day. Yeah, that, it definitely gave me confidence because I had dealt with a slight injury all of preseason with my groin. So mm-hmm. I had been out for, three weeks before that and only had about a week and a half to train in one preseason game mm-hmm. and then being forced into this. And I thought I performed well in the game. We lost four, two, we scored the first goal. It did give me a confidence going into the future of, okay, this level isn't as far off as I thought it was mm-hmm. that if you continue to work and you get the right opportunities, something like this could happen. You could be on one of these teams one day. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you definitely get the confidence from that of seeing this is possible and it's a possible step. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. So this season, I mean, um, based on your transfer market, and you can correct us if this isn't updated completely, but this season, six goals, one assist, and the team is going for a promotion. Is that correct? Uh, it's close. Seven goals, three assists, but... That's what we like. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, but yeah, the team is going for promotion right now. We're in third but Mm -hmm. we are three points beyond first place with two games in hand 
and we'll be playing them next Thursday. So we're in a very good spot. It looks like for promotion here with um, there's no play in. It's just first place gets automatic promotion. Mm-hmm. So we're just looking to continue to keep pushing forward with what we're doing. And I've actually switched positions a little bit at the beginning of the season. I was playing as a number eight. So, and now I've pushed forward more into a 10 more attacking mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. So that's why the goals and assists have been bumping up a little bit in the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks, just getting more opportunities forward and making them count. And why do you think that came to, to, to bump you up into that 10 spot and what have you kind of taken into your game and things that you've tried to work on? Uh, so I, when I was younger, I was always a number 10 instead of an eight. Mm. And then one of our players, he, we kind of played with a two striker system, but one would drop deeper kind of as a false nine into a 10, mm-hmm. but not as much. And he pulled his hamstring and was out for two weeks and they needed someone to push forward in that position. And the coach decided to try me out there, thought it would be a okay fit. And then in the first game we beat uh, someone who was also kind of looking to be in first place, Ross soccer. We won three zero and I put in two goals. And so from there, they've just kind of kept me into that position and it's been working out so far. Nice. Can you speak a little bit on that experience of going for a promotion? Because that's something in America that someone may never experience, especially with how the league system is, is going and how it looks for the future. It's a little bit different than going for a championship because there's something new at the end of it. There's another opportunity at the end. So around the club, around, you know, whether it's the players, the coaches, the personnel, anyone really in the canteen, there's a different vibe, I would say. So what is your experience with that? And how would you explain it to, to American athletes? I think you put it really well, just the vibe. There's a new energy to the club Mm -hmm. because the expectation going into the season was promotion. And then before the December break, we actually had lost two straights. And it looked like it was kind of falling out of our grasp at that point. And so the energy, it's, it's different because like you said, there's a step forward. It's not just winning the championship. Cause then if you don't win, oh, okay, next year we'll do it. Mm-hmm. But getting promotion is so much more important that the energy dropped off so much. And then now with the turnaround, just, you can feel it walking into the club. There's everyone's coming into training a little bit earlier now. Uh, just making sure we're all together training seem to be buzzing a little bit more just and there's a belief there of that we're going to do it and it's difficult to explain the feeling of it's not just winning a championship because it's like you said there's a new challenge coming at the end of it so it's not just okay we're done we are the best in our league we'll have to defend it next year it's okay we won this year but now it's a brand new challenge of a better league with better players so kind of yeah, it's difficult to explain. Hmm. You know, I mean, it, it like you said, this is your first experience with promotion. Um, and there is nothing, we don't grow up with it. So it's hard to explain because like you said, it's it's just a new challenge that you're going to um, come up against. And if you do decide to stay with your team, uh, which we'll get to in a few seconds, it's you are now have to prove yourself against uh, top teams. I mean, you guys are the promoted team is usually the one that has to prove itself can they handle the league or not? And very often uh, they wind up not being able to do that. So it's, there's that added pressure of, you know, you get promoted, you now you have to change and bring in some new players or um, you have to step up a level because the over legal level isn't good enough uh, at, at the next level. 
For now, sure. what are your what are and, your personal goals? Oh, go on. Uh, just another weird thing for us is our season ends much later than the Regional Liga, so we're done on June 18th. So if the promotion does happen, if we take a three week break for a vacation, we'd only have about two weeks with, like you said, all those new players coming together before our first game in the new league. So wow. it's, yeah, it's definitely a, you're the one that's approved something and you're the underdog coming into the season and you'll have less time with all the new players and getting used to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like you're going to have about one week or 10 days, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 10 it's days. Good. It's good. That'd be a good thing. And what, what are your personal goals for the rest of the season? And then uh, hopefully in the upcoming season in, in the fourth league, or do you want to go elsewhere? Um, I'm not. So I'll start with personal goals. I would want, I would like to get to the double digits in my goals, mm-hmm. which I think I should be able to get there by the end of the season, especially playing in my higher position. Um, that would just be nice to, in my first season in Germany, in men's football, being able to get into the double digits for goals. And then I would love to get my assists up there as well, but seven more to go with this, not too many games left. That one will be a little bit more difficult. That depends on the teammates, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but no, so those would probably be the two biggest personal goals for the rest of the season, getting those numbers up. And then for next year, I'm still not sure if I want to be staying here or going to a different club and kind of trying a new challenge out in a bigger city, which I think would be intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. But also, if we get promoted to the fourth division, I think it's hard to not stay where the coach has trust in you. You've played 90 minutes in every game and be into a higher division. I think it'd be hard not to stay. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I mean, I think at at, at this point, I mean, there, especially as things come to, to next season, I think there's a lot of people who will be pulling you in certain directions, telling you what's, what's best for you. And you mentioned that you have a very strong support system. So, I mean, is that kind of how you approach big decisions is, is, you know, kind of weighing it with the people that you trust the most? Yeah, 100%. Anything new that comes in, I immediately send it to my dad and we'll talk. Hmm. He's very good at being on the phone with me whenever I need to. He's the biggest support system with big decisions like that. Yeah. Completely understand. What do you what do you value? I would say I would ask in terms of play, in terms of you know good things to have at a club. What is what what do you like to kind of be around in terms of maybe deciding for the next contract? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. I like to kind of be in a more professional area of people getting into the training ground earlier, about an hour before training, forty five minutes before training, just relaxing, talking getting ready for trainings, maybe someone or a club that trains in the mornings mm-hmm. just so that it feels a little bit more professional. You go in, get your training in, maybe eat with the your teammates afterwards, and then your day is kind of open afterwards. You have free time to do what you want after that, to go to the gym, at the club, that sort of thing. Just a more professional environment is what would interest me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. I mean, that's, that's the the – important values I have and not just chasing the money because especially where you are in, in that Northeastern region, uh, most of the teams in the fourth league are full-time. So there are, 
there are various options uh, there. Now we want to jump into our, our little fast feet round, our game we like to play, ask a few rapid fire questions. Um, so we'll start off your favorite player growing up and now. So when I was very young, it was Cristiano Ronaldo. He was my first ever jersey. Mm-hmm. And then as I started getting older, I loved Philip Coutinho. He was my position, smaller player at Liverpool, my favorite club. And then right now, uh, I hate to say it, but Kevin De Bruyne, he's just the best <laughs> midfielder in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, tough. I, I see the Liverpool now in the back. I didn't know what that was, but I see it now. Oh, yeah, it yeah. Is, it's tough to say, but it's also the right, I think it's the right call. I mean, you got to learn from the best, right? Yeah. What is, I've, I, I guess we alluded this to already, but favorite moment in soccer? Favorite moment, yeah, the Pokal, just the energy you feel. And my sister was able to come to that match as well. Amazing. So having family there, getting 90 minutes against a Bundesliga club, it's definitely my best moment in football. Amazing. What about most difficult moment? Most difficult moment, I would say, was coming back from December with the COVID and just it being dark and dreary in the town, not knowing if I was going to have the first month of the season canceled and or of the second half of the season canceled. That was definitely the hardest moment in football for me. Makes sense. Best advice you've received? Best advice I've received... I would say from my dad, just in life, there's what people kind of say are the right decisions for you to make. And then there's the one of chasing your dreams. And that if you are doing what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And so just in the past two years, that's been kind of pushing me forward. Love that. What about best player you ever played against? Best player I've ever played against. Nicholas Dorsch was very good in that game. As a six, he just would get the ball, ping it to a winger, get it, play a little one-two around. I would have to say he's the best I've played against. Yeah. Did you ever feel you were chasing shadows in that game? There, At one point in the second half, yes. We had made a – we changed our midfield around. And so we weren't as compact anymore, and it felt I was just running around for the last – (laughs) <laughs> 25 minutes of that match mm. yeah, i could understand but kept it close 4-2 still a close game yeah. what about um best player you've ever played with best player i've ever played with still a long career ahead of him so i'm sure this answer will change in yeah six years when I, we have you back on <laughs> six years. i would have to say there was a player in my academy days called osriel gonzalez i think he's maybe in the canadian league now Okay. But when we were younger, he was just a striker that he scored everything. We went to England for a tournament, the UDN Trophy. He won Golden Boot and best player there. Chipped the keeper in the finals from 30 yards out. Just Whew. He was amazing when we were younger. Nice. Wow. What about your favorite German food and or drink? Favorite German food? I mean... I've, I've grown to like bratwurst. I used to hate it when I was back home in America. One of my good friends, it seemed like every time I would go over to their house, they had bratwurst. And I would just, <laughs> I would stomach it down to didn't want to be rude. It was foreshadowing. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. But now I seem to I actually enjoy it. I'll get one right outside in our market plots. And that's probably it hits a bit harder here in Germany. I was the same way. I didn't like it before I came and then it grew on me. 
yeah, it definitely hits harder here. Have you been able to go to any, um, like, you're by Hansa, right? You're by Rostock. So have you been able to go to any of those games or any higher division league games? No, sadly, we wanted to go to the one against St. Pauli last weekend. Mm-hmm. Which was crazy, yeah. Yeah, but they were all sold out. We, we looked too late and we didn't get any tickets to that. But we've been, we've been looking into going in the next month, hopefully, to one of those games. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that Bayern goes through the next round of the Champions League and I can see Bayern Liverpool. That's my goal right now. That's the goal to head down to Munich for that, for that leg. Yeah. They need yeah, a good hopefully return. Hopefully it's not on a game day. Yeah. Hopefully. God, yeah. man. How about uh, favorite book? Favorite book? Book series, Harry Potter. I actually just reread them. That's two in a row, isn't it? That is two Harry in a Potter. row. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Love yeah, that. I, ju- I just reread all seven of them. I started when I was back home and finished mm-hmm. it about the seventh one in two weeks ago. But yeah. Favorite book series. Any quote that you live by? Quote that I live by. I would say the quote from my dad of if you love what you if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Love it. Yeah. If you love yeah. what you do, you never work a day in your life. But yes, yeah. You said it before. Nice. Love Amazing. it, Jojo. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jojo. We appreciate having you on. It's such a cool perspective to have someone coming, you know, to Germany at this young age and still so such a long career ahead. So we're we're excited to see what's next. And we wish you the best of of luck with this season and then, you know, hopefully where with whatever next season brings. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great conversation. And uh, yeah, really interesting to see a young American um, kind of going the opposite way of, of a few of the Germans we had on that went to college. Um, he kind of, I guess with COVID, it helped him make that decision, which is um, kind of a nice thing to see because it's tough to get out of that. Uh, you know, you got to go to college, get a degree, especially like he said, it's a big focus in his family. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of outside pressures um, to do that. And now he, he's he's gone the other way, made the jump and he's uh, had a successful season so far. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like I alluded to, it is it is risky to I mean, I, I guess you can always go back to school. So there, there presents this risk, non risk kind of factor where. You know, in America, for, for many of the jobs, most jobs, you need that degree. You need that piece of paper. So it's tough. And we're never encouraging anyone to not go to college. But just know that there is a route for everyone else. There's a route for everyone out there, I mean, where, you know, you don't have to go to college right away. You can try it. You can try different things and see where that can take you. Because now you can get degrees online. Now you can go back later, get degrees, you know, like, so it presents that opportunity where doesn't have to be right now when everyone does it. And he made a point where part of his make your own path kind of thing is not following the herd, is following himself. You know, he, he did a lot of things when COVID seemed like it was going to restrain him from, from getting a contract. He still put in the work. And, you know, I think he's got such a good head on his shoulders for that age. And I think this season has taught him so much, kind of like yeah. how he was speaking on, on what it's going to take to be a pro, but also just, you know, about himself maybe and about the world maybe. I mean, it's just kind of like we said, it's a it's a learning experience that makes you grow up a little bit quicker because you're forced into it. You know, there is no taking a trip home because you're homesick on the weekend. There is no, you know, just being around, surrounded by people where you don't have to kind of be alone with your thoughts sometimes. So these things kind of force you into these situations. And I think you can really grow from them because like we said, 
they're not always the most comfortable. So what are amazing things though, he's got to experience, you know, playing against Augsburg and just feeling, you know, they score two goals, they lose four, two, but just feeling, you know, I can do this. You know, there's that confidence barrier where, you know, that's not so far off. And I think that's such a cool thing to experience at that age. And yeah, I, I, I really like where his career is going. You know, I like, the, the professionality that he takes into the professionalism. I mean, that he takes into it and that he seeks out. And I think it's a great perspective for those to hear, especially younger players to hear, but even older players to hear, to kind of hear his hunger and that drive that he has. And, you know, that will to play, I think even older players can kind of see that and recognize in themselves what they had at an earlier age and kind of bring that into their game. So you know, I'm excited for people to hear this and, you know, I'm excited to see where Jojo's career takes him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, like you touched on the values that he has um, for, for the upcoming seasons. Um, yeah. He just wants to be somewhere full-time where he can continue to grow and develop because at the end of the day, that is the most important. Um, and a lot of players, especially coming from America kind of focus on the money value first. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately that's, it's a, you'll be disappointed very quickly if that is where your values are yeah um so i really like to hear that that's where his head's at and uh yeah like you said we're both rooting for him yeah i mean the the last last thing i'll say here too is just that adaption period where he learned he had a contract in the fifth tier now as all of us would do especially coming from america you hear okay fifth tier but then you kind of see what the level is like and how much he's growing as a player so the opportunity itself you shouldn't look at it as just the number. There's so much more that that can catapult you to. And you learn so much. He's learning from a guy who has the most third Bundesliga appearances. I mean, that in itself, playing with someone in the middle, in your own three position or two positions, however many they play in the midfield, that experience in itself too is invaluable. So there are so many things that you can get from playing in a fifth tier. Don't look at it as the number. So... I mean, I, I loved having him on. It's a, just another perspective. American coming to Germany. We had a German going to America. This is that month just, just to show you that there is a path for everyone out there. There's different things, different choices you can make to better further your career or just, you know, get a new experience. So we thank Jojo. We thank all of you guys for listening. Uh, make sure that you join the club at footwork.club. Sign up for the newsletter and everything if you have not already. And, you know, there's amazing free products. Like we say on our website, available for those, there's a free consultation, which many more keep you know coming back for. I think we've had a few just this early in just this month in April, um, 15, 20 minutes on a Zoom or Google Hangout with Sean and I to ask us questions about our journey, um, to ask us questions about visas, anything, you know, and all that information is also available if you go back in time, some of our earlier episodes where we may not have been the best hosts, Sean, but you know, there's a lot of amazing information in there that we may bring back in segments and in smaller anecdotes on Instagram reels, TikTok, things like this. So look out for that. You know, what else am I missing? Yeah. Uh, keep uh, subscribing on YouTube. We're going to continue with the, the clips of uh, kind of the best clips of each episode, maybe a little more digestible than an hour episode or an hour and 30 minutes. Um, we try and keep those relatively short. Um, but good, good pieces and segments from each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so give that a like, subscribe, comment. It all helps. Um, mm. 
yeah, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. You know, when you're bored and you yeah, uh, do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I saw this on someone else's podcast. This is the free support. So we're yeah. not asking. We're not asking for money. I mean, if you want to buy the mug and, you know, the future merch that comes, you know, we really appreciate that. That's, you know, you don't have to do that, but, you know, you can still do that, please. But I mean, the free support just takes a little bit of time. Just, you know, liking, subscribing, you know how the algorithms work. It gets it out to more people. And that's the goal is to have as many people hear this as possible who can take things from it, find inspiration, find, you know, bring us inspiration on podcasts too and connections and just grow a, a nice community of like-minded people who, who want to pursue dreams and make their own path. So if you can, that free support is, is, it means the world to us and, you know, keep plugging, keep passing all that good stuff. Thanks guys. Yeah. With that until next time, keep moving forward, keep learning and make your own path. Cheers. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what's done. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 